Hey everybody, welcome to Come Follow Me Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen and today is December 16th. Today we are going to continue in the book of Malachi. We are so close to it being done and that is really bumming me out a little bit. But let's continue on. We're going to start with our scriptural advent of the day, which we're doing every single day, a new verse to teach us a little bit more about Christ and focus our minds on him as we approach Christmas. Today's Advent scripture comes from Enos chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. And it says, And there came a voice unto me, saying, Enos, thy sins are forgiven thee, and thou shalt be blessed. And I, Enos, knew that God could not lie. Wherefore, my guilt was swept away. My friends, the cleansing power of the atonement is so incredibly beautiful and sacred. I've experienced it, and I've allowed it to fill my soul. I hope that you have experienced it as well. Maybe if not on this grand and huge scale that Enos has experienced, that we experience every day what it feels like to repent and to feel forgiven. But Enos teaches us an important principle of repentance here. When he was told that his sins were forgiven, he let it go. Yes, it takes faith to repent and be forgiven, absolutely. But sometimes I think it takes even more faith to trust that the Lord's grace has taken over and that now you can let it go. Sometimes the faith comes in not just believing in Christ, but believing him when he tells you that you are forgiven. I truly believe that if we want to feel the full effect of the atonement and repentance, we need to have faith to be forgiven, yes. But we also need to have faith and trust that his grace is sufficient even for us. So let's jump into Malachi. Today, we're going to jump into Malachi chapter four. Now, this chapter is so incredibly significant. It strikes me as super important that these are verses that Christ quoted when he came to the Americas. But if you think about it, again, we know that Malachi is teaching 100 years after the Jews have returned to Jerusalem, which means this was way after Lehi and Nephi came to the Americas, way after they took the brass plates. So these teachings were nowhere in the Nephite history. They didn't have these teachings. And so it serves as a testimony of how important these teachings are, that when the Savior came, he taught these words to make sure that they were part of Nephite scripture. It should teach us something that the Savior found these words to be so important. And it should teach us something that these words were so important that among the very first things that Joseph was taught about, he was taught about these things. When Moroni came, these are the things that he taught. Now, again, when Moroni comes, he's going to quote it a little bit differently. And I don't think that that should surprise us. Again, these verses in Malachi were recorded about 30 years after Malachi had passed away. So it could be that his actual words weren't quite recorded exactly right. But for the purposes of our learning, I'm going to quote this to you as I believe Malachi actually said it, which is how Moroni said it to Joseph Smith. He said, for behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall burn as stubble for they that come shall burn them, saith the Lord of hosts, and it shall leave them neither root nor branch. Behold, I will reveal unto you the priesthood by the hand of Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall plant in the hearts of the children the promises made to the fathers, and the hearts of the children shall turn to their fathers. If it were not so, 
the whole earth would be utterly wasted at his coming. So let's break that down a little bit because there is a lot in there. First of all, when he says that the day cometh that the earth shall burn as an oven, that can sound scary and it can sound overwhelming. But remember that the earth has to be cleansed by fire. Remember the flood of Noah, how the entire earth was covered in water and that was symbolic of the baptism of the earth. The earth was baptized. But just as we are baptized with water and then given the Holy Ghost as part of that cleansing process, the same is true of the earth. It was flooded as a symbol of baptism and this burning that will happen will act as symbolism of the Holy Ghost. But what's interesting here is it says that this burning shall leave them neither root nor branch. Now that's something that could easily be just kind of skipped over and not looked at very much. But when we understand the verses that follow and how they talk about family history and things like that, that idea of being left without root or branch becomes really poignant for us. Think of it this way. A root is something that comes before, right? The root comes and then the plant comes. Just like when we plant a bulb, we're planting a root and then the flower comes after. So the root is symbolic of something that comes before and the branch comes later. So it's symbolic of something that comes after. So here, when it says they shall be left with neither root nor branch, this is symbolism of they will be left without their ancestors or without those who come after them, without their progeny, which makes this next verse so incredibly powerful. When he says that he will reveal unto you the priesthood by the hand of Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Notice that there is a specific order there. He is going to reveal the priesthood before the day that the earth shall burn as stubble. I love what this teaches us about God and about how he has everything timed out and planned out. Notice the earth isn't going to burn as stubble before Elijah comes and before Heavenly Father has everything in place so that we can be sealed together with our families forever. He will send Elijah first. He will allow that work to happen first. He will give us the opportunity to have that sealing happen first. And I think that that's so incredibly interesting and important to point out. But the question becomes, why Elijah? It's interesting because when Elijah actually came on April 3rd, 1836, Joseph already had the priesthood, right? He received the priesthood by the hand of John the Baptist. He received the Melchizedek priesthood by the hand of Peter, James, and John. He already had the Aaronic and the Melchizedek priesthood. So what does it mean that the priesthood would be revealed by the hand of Elijah? And I think it's so important that we understand the difference here between a priesthood ordination versus priesthood authority or priesthood keys. Joseph had been ordained to the priesthood. He had been ordained to the Aaronic priesthood and then ordained to the Melchizedek priesthood, but he had not yet been given the keys or the authority to seal. For example, my husband has the Melchizedek priesthood, but he couldn't walk into a temple and then start performing sealing ordinances. He doesn't have that authority. He doesn't have those keys. And so here, even though Joseph Smith had the Melchizedek priesthood, the keys of that priesthood, the authority of that priesthood was revealed or brought by Elijah the prophet. Ironically, that day, April 3rd, 1836, was the day of the Passover for Jews around the world. It's Jewish tradition that Elijah would come back or return during the Passover. And so many Jews around the world will set a place for Elijah. They'll fill a glass with wine and they will leave an open plate 
so that he can return during the Passover like it was tradition that he would. The amazing thing is, and not a coincidental thing, is that Elijah did return during the Passover, but he didn't return where or how he was expected. And so still to this day, the majority of the world doesn't know that Elijah has returned and he has restored that priesthood that Malachi said he would restore. The amazing and beautiful thing to me is that so much of the book of Malachi is teaching us how to prepare for the second coming of the Lord, how to be ready for his return. And here, as we'll talk about more tomorrow, family history and temple work is part of that preparation. Elder Ballard once taught, that day, meaning the second coming, is steadily moving towards us, and there is still much to be done. We must be prepared to keep pace with our leaders, stride for their ever-lengthened stride. Perhaps, as never before, we need to focus our effort on those things that matter most and avoid spending time on those things of small concern and of little consequence. My friends, it's my testimony that our Heavenly Father is teaching us and preparing us how to be ready for the Savior's second coming so that when he comes again, it will be a great and a glorious day and we will be prepared to welcome him back. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to follow us on social media, subscribe, like, comment, or share. This has been Come Follow Me, Daily Dose, and I'm Lindsay Hansen. 